You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. And this is our special 200th official episode. Angie, 200 episodes. Nuts. I I can't believe it. It has been a really fun ride. I mean, when you came to me, Chris, a couple years ago now, and uh, started brainstorming this podcast, I... I was a little hesitant. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'll try it. We'll do 10 episodes. It can't hurt. And here we are, 190 mm-hmm. episodes later. Yeah. I would have, that I would have never thought. And not only making it to 200 episodes, but having a really significant following that keeps growing mm-hmm. with us and sending us emails mm-hmm. and telling us not to stop, which is the yeah, number yeah. one reason why we don't stop. Because <laughs> life yep, is yep, busy. Yep. It is. But it is. yeah, it's just been it's just been really wonderful. And as we were discussing ideas over a couple of weeks, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but that's when it came to me. I was like, let's do a quiz show. Yeah. You, <laughs> you and I have so much information in our brains jammed oh, yeah. every week. We're researching, researching, researching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of it goes away uh, because yeah, uh, yep. it's for human beings. And um, yep, definitely, yep. you know, definitely don't. I'm, I'm not I'm not known for my photographic memory or anything great like that. I'm a busy mom. So as we discussed, it'd be fun to see what we remember and see for some of our, our listeners that have been with us since the beginning, mm-hmm. or maybe they just joined us this past year in the past couple episodes or the past 100 episodes as we open up this new year too right that was what was so special the timing of this 200 episode is right at the very beginning of 2021 and so we're trying to keep it positive and fun and just maybe a little bit of a distraction right which is okay Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm, a pandemic mm -hmm. going on there's nothing wrong with some healthy fun intellectual distraction and so for the past about two weeks, I have been having an amazing time personally going through all of our old episodes and just reliving them. And it's mm-hmm. it's just wonderful. The interviews we've done, the species, this was an epic year or 100 episodes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it was. I. It's funny because you said you're going through the list. Like I, I, I forgot we did ostrich. I was like, oh my goodness, we did do ostrich. Like it's, you did so many species and very iconic. Fact, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there are some facts on some of these species that really stick in my mind. So it'd be interesting if you ask me some questions, if I can remember them or not, but over the hundred episodes from one, 101 to 200, we've done 37 interviews, 62 species. And overall we've done like over 130 species and close to 70 interviews. So we've covered a lot of the planet, and there's still so many species to cover. Many more experts. We've got got them lined up already to come on and, and talk about. It. I've got like three. I've, oh, geez. I've, Angie, I've got two interviews I've got to edit and get sent this week after New Year's. And then I also have one coming up this week. So yeah, we're busy. We've got a lot of good stuff coming. So thank you for the support. And then looking back at it, Angie, you know, we've got some favorites. Like I definitely have some favorites looking through the list. I, I'll tell you what, I think for the last hundred, my favorite episode, it just, it's so obscure. It just has to be the raccoon dog. Like I, I couldn't believe that thing was alive. It was a real thing. I couldn't believe it. 
until well, we actually covered them. Well, Chris, you are definitely on to something because just for uh, fun, I went ahead and looked back at our statistics, not from the last 100 episodes, but from the last 12 months. So the last year, which covers a fair amount of them. And the raccoon dog is one of the most downloaded episodes. So, it's so amazing. Yeah, you're you're not alone. It was fun. They're just so cute. And, And raccoons are definitely up there for one of my top cutest species. Uh, But for all of our reptile fans out there, the number Mm. one downloaded episode in this past year was the King Cobra. Yeah. Okay. People wanted to learn about it. Yeah. People love reptiles, especially Mm -hmm. the king of of all uh, venomous snakes. So that was fun. And then Sun Bears was up there. Uh, A lot of our kids episodes. So you and I are Mm -hmm. brainstorming a little bit uh, more about getting back into that. And we would love to hear mm-hmm. feedback from the listeners that either help participate with some of the kid interviews or would like to in the near future. But, right, right. And then just to finish the list, it was beavers, tiger sharks, moose. And of course, the number one episode download in the past year was your forest elephant researcher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Daniela, Dr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniela Shiad. Yeah, she was, a, she's still stuck in the States. I follow her on Instagram. And with COVID, she can't get over there to her to her babies to finish her research. It's it's sad, but hopefully this year in 2021 she can get sent over uh, back into the Congo. But that was an amazing interview. I mean, and then looking at the interview list, Angie. I mean, she, I loved all of our our guests. Like all of our guests brought something to the table, to a different perspective. How teaching moments for everybody. We've had filmmakers on there. We had educational celebrities on there and then diehard researchers like, like Daniela and some heroes on there that were like, you know, Oh, Paul, Paul Watson, Watson. <laughs> Jinx, yeah. episode 193. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That was, that was on my list of top favorite interviews for sure. Yeah. Rebecca, Dr. Cliff and, you know, starting the Sloth Foundation, Conservation Foundation, Dr. Fennessy, who helped start the Giraffe Conservation Foundation. I mean, these are conservation superstars that don't get the press, but are out in the field, sweating, not making big bucks, fighting for these animals. And those are just some of the people that, you know, I just are amazing. But the one that to this day, and I'm sorry to your hubby, John, who I did interview and who I love as a dear friend. (laughs) Yes, yes. He's that, like a, he, he is a, gets a shout out for me for sure. <laughs> he did. He, he's not my top interview. He, he's he's one of my best best friends. But the top interview for me has to be Dr. Greg Rasmussen with African Painted Dogs. By far, he's on a tablet in the middle of Zimbabwe, in the middle of of Africa, talking to me. You know, the the, the connection wasn't great. The audio isn't the best. But you listen to him talk, and I just. I mean, I kind of love those animals, but you listen to him and you just fall in love. He is a phenomenal storyteller. If you have not heard that interview, do yourself a favor, download it and listen to it because he is a, a rock star out of all the people, out of all the rock stars. That's the one that just, for me, I mean, even Stephanie Arnie, oh my God, she's so amazing and inspiring. It's just a, a huge list. And then always our, 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 our good buddy, we got to give him a shout out. Love, love, love Corbin Maxey. We we did about three episodes with him. We're, we're going to be doing another one here soon with him. He just love chatting with him. He's just amazing. 
Yeah, so many good people. And that's what we're building here is this conservation community from people with all different talents and all different areas across the world coming together to tell their stories and get our listeners and, of course, Chris and I (laughs) excited about animals and their behavior and their conservation and why we should care about them. And I think for me, every interview is just, I, I, I walk away from it super pumped, talk about like an adrenaline rush. It's just awesome. And for me, I did several this year, but some of them that really, really stand out have to be episode 166, uh, Animals Asia with Jill mm-hmm. Robinson over in Hong Kong, uh, where she has been fighting for the last 20 to 30 years to end bear bile farming. I highly recommend checking out that episode. Jill is an example of how one person can make a huge, huge difference for animal welfare and conservation. She's been fighting for sun bears and moon bears over in Asia and started it by herself and has grown to a a very good-sized nonprofit. And she's had so much success working with foreign governments as far as getting them to to halt some of the trade um, and captivity of sun bears and moon bears for bear bile collection. It was just impressive. And, and what had motivated me to reach out to Jill from Animals Asia was earlier in the year, like episode 160, so a few months prior, we had covered sun bears. And that to me stands out as one of the most moving episodes we've probably ever done. I hadn't fully processed all my feelings about uh, bear bile farming uh, as I was preparing for the podcast. And so a lot of my feelings, it was a real feely episode, yes, came yes. out because just trying to describe to our listeners or people that aren't familiar with some of the horrific practices that are done to these bears was just, it was just hard. And, and then, but then that's when I realized you and I have this platform that we've built. I'm like, I can reach out to an expert to like, tell me more about sun bears and moon bears and what they're going through and why we should save them and why we should care about their welfare. And Jill was just an amazing guest to have. And she, and she, I left her interview feeling hopeful and knowing that there are so many awesome people out there fighting for these guys and trying to end this, this practice and this trade. So it's 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 episodes yeah. like that that are just incredible and oh yeah that I think make me a better podcaster, person, conservationist, and I hope the listeners feel the same way as well. <laughs> I mean, you you look at this list, Angie, Chris Fisher, O Search, like that's an amazing, oh amazing yeah, that's another one. Yeah, that's Rick, conservation Rick hero Schwartz. crush over here. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Rick Schwartz, you know, yeah, San he's Diego our buddy. Zoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I look at it, Jungle Jordan. We we look at Brett Hartle, the the lawyer, gives you a perspective on the legal aspects of the Endangered Species Act of the United States. And one I, I had I, I had to I saw it on my list. I'm like I have to bring this up. This is how one person. So the the listeners out there, and I know we have a lot of uh, aspiring conservationists. These are the people. These are, you want to listen to these interviews. That's why I, I love covering the species because that's our bread and butter. But these are the people making a difference around the planet for all of us, for the benefit of all of us here. Somebody like Mike Veal, who founded Global Conservation Force, he was a zookeeper at the San Diego Zoo, had worked with the Northern White Rhinos before they went over to Kenya. I believe if I remember right, it was it was episode 144, I think it was. So it was, it was quite a ways back. Started this foundation and trains rangers to go out and do anti-poaching patrols. Now he has a team. He's growing this this uh, foundation 
to train rangers and protect animals. In the interview and talking to other people in the organization, poachers know when Global Conservation Force is out there and they know what areas that they're patrolling, they don't go there. They don't go there because they know they have a high probability of getting caught, you know, and they don't want to get caught. So they go somewhere else. So here's one person out there that is making a difference for rhinos, pangolins, and a bunch of other species that they're protecting. And in the interview, it's not so much about, we do talk a lot about what they're doing in Africa, but then they're going to the other end of the supply chain in Asia, you know, Vietnam, other places, educating the masses and the younger generation to make a difference. So Lauren Ayers and Mike Veal, those are amazing interviews that you want to go and listen to and just see how people are making a difference out there and and just, oh, that's what motivates me and you. I know it. We have these interviews and then we're like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, we, yeah. we talk to each other. Well, and, and we, t- and, and, well, yes, Chris, and speaking to the younger generation of budding conservationists, that's why I had so much fun doing the kid yeah. interviews this year, and hopefully we'll yeah. keep up with it next year. And then, of course, I got to interview Elliot Connor, who is an Australian animal educator in episode 180, who at the age of, I think, 17 yeah. is doing more with his life for animals and conservation and just the environment he's an environmentalist mm-hmm. then i mean most people could even imagine it was like i was talking to an adult and i just had yeah. he was so inspirational and so i hope this year brings us more of a, a youth movement and i'd like to capture some of that and of course it's always a goal and a mission of this podcast to continue to increase our diversity so we can hear from voices all across the world from all different colors and and make sure that all voices are heard so they can continue to inspire the youth, right? Because that's why we're here. Yeah. So that's yeah. a mission that I'm personally trying to attack this next year as we move into 2021 myself. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see where we are at episode 300, you know, and, and, and the growth that's happened because the growth from, from the last 100 episodes has been incredible. It's been bonkers, right? So I know, fun. it has, it has. So oh. thank so, you, and, and, and thank yes. you. That's because of everyone listening. So if you've heard yeah. Chris and I yammer on for the past, I don't know, uh, whoa, long time. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you, and, yeah. and we'll have some fun here, and hopefully I can stump uh, the chump. Chris is not a chump, but uh, okay. Well, let's try. Let's try. Hopefully, I can stump the chump on some of on some of the more memorable mo- on some of the more memorable moments from some of the species that we've covered this past year. And also, if you're at home, play along for sure as well. Yeah. All right. So if we go back, episode 101 was Komodo dragon. So uh, it was 101 or 102. Uh, Komodo dragon. We start. We started that uh, what a year and a half ago. Okay. So going forward, I know you've kind of got a list of some questions. Oh, I have like 40 slides. This is the most fun that I've had in weeks. <laughs> so right. we're we're not going to be able to get through them all today. I, I'm already declaring that we will keep this episode at a reasonable level for minutes. Yes. And then uh, we'll play the rest of the quiz show for um, for our Patreon listeners. Patreon, right, right. And they can enjoy yeah. Chris and I going back and forth on dorky animal facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll divulge some of the the future stuff we've got brewing. But all right, I'll start off. I'll start off. Out of all the animals we've covered, I hope I'm doing this right because I'm 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 bracking my brain. 
which one lives the longest? That's a great question. Uh, mm-hmm. I would out have out of like a hundred some species. Yeah, I would have to say either the bow-headed whale or the Galapagos tortoise. Good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, bowhead whale is probably one of the longest living mammals. I think it is okay. the longest living mammal. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 200 years old. Okay. And they have found harpoons. I think it was a whale that, that that died or something in 2015. They found tips of harpoons from the 1800s in this whale. So it was like over 140 years old. And then with the earwax, how they age it, there's one that was uh, over 211 years old. But technically, there's an this organism we covered that was very difficult for us that they think could be ah, almost 10,000 years old. Very, thank you. You're, you should yeah. be a professional hint giver. Yes. Uh, corals. I'm so glad, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, because I was going to say that corals was probably the podcast that I prepared the most for of yeah. the last 100 episodes because it was yeah. out of our comfort zone and, and, and invertebrate. But luckily I had a, a little cheat sheet because I had, already interviewed my buddy Dan Berdino, episode 177 from Coral mm-hmm. Restoration Foundation. Excellent episode. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, see, clearly I uh, I still need to keep <laughs> learning about corals. <laughs> yeah, they think over 10,000 years old, some of the reefs around. So, yeah, it's it's. I, I still think you 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 get some points for that one with the, uh, the bowhead whale or the tortoises. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of favorites, we had a little Instagram poll about the cutest baby. So yeah. I've got I've got to get a shout out to the muskox. Yes, yes. Of course, of course, I picked Taken, but that wasn't in the last yeah. 100 episodes, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. going back through our notes, I actually for cutest adult, I believe raccoon dog, red panda, mm-hmm. and arctic fox could all be up there. So you maybe have to set up another poll here in the next okay. couple of weeks. I will for, for adults. Yes. Yeah, that raccoon dog. Oh my goodness, that's just it's just the craziest animal I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and uh. then for your uh, your actual question is, do you remember the world's happiest animal that we covered? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You gotta re- you gotta remember that one because that was a little bit more recent. So for the listeners, you gotta go down under and get your selfie stick. Don't touch them, but take mm-hmm. a selfie with a quokka mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, the facts about the quokka and when you talked about ejecting the baby out of the pouch yes. <laughs> from a predator. Yeah, it's we busted the myth that um, quokkas or quokkas, depending on if you're from North America yeah, or yeah. Australia, yeah. Uh, that they throw their babies at predators. So we discussed mm-hmm. that. that uh, some It's partially true, partially a little bit exaggerated. But yes, sometimes they do when they're fleeing from a predator unbeknownst to them uh, eject their their baby from their pockets and that will often help them escape because the predator will well go after the baby so but they're still the world's happiest animal and they're super cute and you got to <laughs> check out the that. episode or just look just look at a, a quokka on instagram and you'll know what we're talking about yeah, yeah, oh, that's amazing. But now for serious quiz show business, okay, um, okay, with physiology because that's what you're an expert in. So, of all the species that we covered, which mammal has the most dense fur of all land mammals? Is it the muskox, the sea otter, the snow monkey, the chinchilla, 
or the red panda? That's actually a good list. I would have thrown Arctic Fox in there too. I'm pretty sure I know it because I, I was reviewing my, my thousand slides that I had on all these species saved up. So if one day you and I decide to write a book about all this, these animals, we, <laughs> the we have some facts, data. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I'm pretty positive it is a chinchilla and that they have the most dense fur, if I remember correctly. Muskox have the wool that's very soft, but mm-hmm. I don't, it's not quite as mm-hmm. dense. You are, ding, 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 you are yeah. correct. But I tried to trick you a little bit because the sea otter actually has a denser coat. However, oh, okay. that's an aquatic mammal. Oh, you said land. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been. So yeah. for we land, haven't done sorry. sea otters yet. I know. We haven't even done sea otters yet. Well, it's a quiz show. <laughs> I'm, I can put whatever I want in there, right? Uh, so, yeah. So as far as on land, it's going to be the chinchilla. And then and all, okay. all around, the all-around winner is going to be the sea otter that has a dense coat. But I, the chinchilla was a fun episode. I, I learned a lot about them. And I think the number one thing that people don't realize, because chinchillas are often – are often found as pets and, of course, in the fur trade. But but actually in South America, in the Andes Mountains, uh, in Chile, where their native habitat is, mm-hmm. both the short-tailed and long-tailed are endangered with populations less than 5,000. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people don't really realize that. And so I know we talked a lot about that in the podcast. And, of course, a lot of other really fun facts because chinchillas are darling. But their fur stood out to me for sure. All right. So this this one, this episode was, was again, another fun one. I mean, it, they're all amazing. I mean, I think birds always blow us away. We'll get to some bird questions. But this fact that you brought up still sticks with me. So, like, when you look at the species, you're like, there's certain things that just always stick out and you remember. So which aquatic species did we cover? Barks. Underwater. A seal? Okay. Uh, not mammal. <laughs> oh, not mammal, not mammal. Okay, so. Uh, You're right. Okay. Uh, I'm a bad What are master. some choices? All right. So we can do electric eel, sea snakes, marine iguanas, or piranhas. The bark. Yes. I know now. This is your fact. That's right. This is the red bellied piranhas. Yes. It's yes. amazing. I just, oh, I couldn't believe that. I was like, what? Yeah, you actually play it in the episode. Okay. Yeah. It's coming. They, they drum. They do a lot of, a lot of interesting sounds for a fish, I suppose. Um, but once again, you and I not being fish experts, that was a really fun podcast as well because their physiology is just incredible. Is that a dog in your house or is that the. (laughs) It's the red red belly piranha. Yeah, yeah. So just crazy facts, crazy animal facts. Well, sticking with the ocean, uh, Mm -hmm. which species that we covered has a salt gland under its tongue? which secretes salt that's taken in from the water. Your choices are a marine iguana. Got it. I got it. An eel, 
a yellow-bellied sea snake, a bowhead whale, or a beluga? I oh geez, that's a hard that's a hard question. I think I remember sea snakes having that one. Excellent, very very okay, good. Okay, yeah, sea snakes. <laughs> I think that rings a bell. Yeah, that was a really fun episode, a little out of our comfort zone, but I learned mm-hmm. so much talking about sea snakes and wow, all the stuff about their venom is incredible and toxic. Just three daps can kill like eight people, but they basically mm-hmm. have short fangs and they usually don't bite through divers suits. It's like super rare. So they're definitely not, not uh, something to be scared of as far as sea snakes and crates go. But what's also fascinating about sea snakes is that they're, obligate air breathers right they're snakes yeah they're they're not fish they have to come up for air and things like that Mm -hmm. uh which to me is just always fascinating but most sea snakes are also able to do a little respiration through the top of their skin and they do this by having tiny little blood vessels in their in their epidermis which can absorb a little bit of oxygen from the seawater And then, of course, it'll diffuse out as carbon dioxide. So because of this, a sea snake can stay underwater between one and a half and three and a half hours. Yeah. Which is incredible. For a while. And and in the list, I actually mentioned another obligate air breather, which is an eel. The electric eel that we covered. Fascinating episode. Oh, my gosh. That's just talk. That was that was like a physiologist's dream to try to talk about how they make electricity. And oh, Oh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. It is a fish physiology and then it's a fish that really is a fish and it does have gills unlike the sea snakes yeah but it also is an obligate air breather so it has to go up and breathe air yeah do you do you remember how many volts it could produce i'll give you some choices okay give me some so okay so 100 volts 300 volts 600 volts 800 volts how many volts do you think that thing can, that sucker can produce? Well, Chris, I don't know, so I'm gonna answer C. <laughs> but isn't it like isn't it like our our outlets are like what two thirty five or something? In the I US? think so. Like yeah, volts, something okay. like that. Okay, so I'll go with C six hundred. Oh, wrong. oh it's, well, wrong. okay, six, it's from it, that's the low end, so you're not oh, wrong. Okay. okay, it goes up to almost 850, 900 volts. Like that's incredible. How? Like we go through the physiology in that episode and we talk about how they do it because 80% of their body is just to produce electricity. The 20% has the heart, lungs, everything else. But how, the how of it, and we go through it in that episode, but that's insane. I don't want to ever see one of those in a river. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yes, Chris. Animals do some funky, crazy, amazing things, which is why I love this podcast. And do you remember which species secretes castorium, which is a chemical that comes from basically the anal glands under the tail? Yes. <laughs> and you, oh, yes, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but it's like molasses and thick and sticky. <laughs> and it smells like, mm, I guess, musky vanilla. So the FDA is actually allowed its use as a natural flavoring. Yes. So for all of our listeners out there, (laughs) is that going to be an aardwolf, a beaver, a red panda, or an arctic fox? It's just, I, that, you can never forget that fact when you hear it, that it's actually in the food. Oh, and they love their trees and they're so cute. And I love that episode of our favorite 
beavers mm-hmm. who have the vanilla anal glands, and it's actually used in food flavoring in some places. Yeah, not all, just, not all places, but yes. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah not, beavers. Man, that I mean, I, that it makes sense to me. The beavers is one of our top downloaded episode because it's just they're so mm-hmm. fascinating. I mean, we, we of course we have lots of fun jokes about the um, the castorium that they secrete mm-hmm. and how of course man has figured out how to use it. But in the same instance, just their building and their ecological engineers of the woodlands and how they build habitats for so many species and how they really are just critical in the food web and so fun. So, so my other question about beavers is if you remember, they have orange teeth, which of course isn't really depicted in cartoons and things Mm -hmm. like that, but Mm -hmm. in the wild, in real life, they have their front teeth are orange. Do you remember what makes them orange? And your choices are. Oh, geez. Cambian from the bark or carotene, uh, which is basically a form of vitamin A from the diet, iron or blood flow to the teeth all right you got me on this one Uh, you definitely stumped me you (laughs) definitely stumped me on this one i if i've got to guess i'm gonna say i just thought carrots for some reason and orange and so beta carotene is what i thought but no there's where are they getting it where they get is is there a lot of beta carotene and bark and trees willows and well they grass. do eat, well they eat the cambion that is that part's real that's the soft part of the bark yeah. the inners of the bark but chris i'll help you iron. i'll help you out uh it is iron it's iron, iron okay. provides the rusty yeah. color and you did, you, yeah she stumped me there and the rationale behind this is because their teeth continually they're rodents and their teeth are always continually growing right because they're gnawing and chopping down trees their teeth need to be really strong so therefore, the tooth enamel contains iron, which once again will make them strong. If you think of a building, sharp, but also if you think of rusty colors, it'll make them orange. All right, let me see if I can stump you. Here we go. Now, now, now the gauntlet's been thrown. The easy facts are, are, are out of the way for me. Oh, I still, have some, right. I still have some softballs, <laughs> but that's okay. Okay. All right. Which animal doesn't sweat? Can't really survive temperatures above 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Do I get choices? No. Okay. Choices. The Arctic fox, the moose, the red panda, or the muskox? Well, you've listed some cold weather species there. So uh, if I have to pick, I I don't remember. So I'm going to go with Arctic fox. Yes, I stumped her. I stumped her. I stumped her. (laughs) Moose. There's one of the facts of moose that really stuck with me was they they don't have the ability to sweat. They cool off in the rivers and streams. Remember, that's why they love water. Oh, right. They're they're, eating those aquatic plants and stuff. And with global climate change and the warming in Canada, in North North America, the northern United States, parts of Asia and, and Europe, but... They are suffering. And so you're seeing them disappear from the northern part of the United States, lower 48 in the United States, and then in parts of Canada. And remember, we talked about the yellow knife, which is way up there. And she got, I think, a comment somewhere. One of our fans from yellow knife is like, oh, my goodness, she called us out. They had a day where it was like 90, almost 90 degrees Fahrenheit one day. And that's like prime moose habitat. And so they're really suffering. Like that one was really a surprising fact. 
Yeah. Well, no, I'll have yeah. to remember that. Yeah. Because I love moose and I, I can't wait to do more hoofstock. In fact, we got a recommendation to do uh, the pronghorn antelope from North yes. America. Yes. So I'm excited to, to learn more about Very that. Uh, but good job. Good job. Okay. Well, sticking with kind of the cold weather theme, which species that we covered has countercurrent exchange in the blood of their legs or appendages to help them stay warm? Is that going to be the beluga, the chinchilla? The Arctic fox or the bowhead whale? So the whale, okay, so the bowheads and the beluga, they, they're blubber, so they're fine. You know, they got thick layers of blubber. So, okay, so let's do process of elimination. Now, now you're faced with a species that pretty much, you know, I know in the episode I said, you know, they, they, they go higher than wolves as far as the North Pole. There are wolves up there in the northern circumpolar regions of the world, but Arctic Fox go out on the ice, follow polar bears looking for food. Then you have the chinchillas at elevation, right? These thick, thick coats and they need to thermoregulate to stay cool in, in, in the warmer summer months. But being that it was so recent and we covered it so recently that for me, I already know it's the Arctic Fox because that was a fascinating fact that their lower limbs were, would would help them stay warm and not bring that cold blood back up into their body because what's happening is the warm blood is being pumped down the leg it does get cooled off at the feet and toes but as it comes back up that leg this counter current exchange warms the blood back up so when it hits the core core body temperature the fox doesn't doesn't lose any body heat so yeah, good one. That's a good one though. That's a I good just one. I wanted to give that you that question because I love hearing you talk about counter current exchange. It's like it's like my safe place. It was one of my favorite <laughs> lectures of yours from Repro back in the day. Back, You're so good at it. So yeah, awesome. What do you yeah, got for yeah. me? What do you have for me? Oh, all right. So I've got the deepest diving animal we've covered. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this animal can go 7,300 feet or 2,200 meters. Okay, so it goes deep mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it can stay down there quite a while at that, at that pressure and depth. So your choices are tiger shark, bowhead whale, beluga whale, or sperm whale. Well, I don't think it's a tiger shark because I think they feed more in coastal surface areas. Um, and then it's, I don't think it's beluga because they're just too cute to go that deep and it's really cold and dark <laughs> there. Uh, so it's either going to be bowhead or sperm, but I, I, I'm just going to just pick sperm whale. Yeah. Okay. Ding, 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 Yay! ding. Yeah. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah, bowheads do go deep, but sperm whales are only beaten by one that we'll cover. We got to cover this one and look at the physiology. But the curvier's beaked whale, and you sent me an article that they just found a new subspecies of it or species of, of beaked whale. Mm-hmm. But the, the curvier's beaked whale goes almost 10,000 feet or 3,000 meters. Like, what the heck? That is some pressure. That is some depth that a mammal is surviving at. Yeah. And so I think just from the physiology aspect, that's a whale that we should cover just because it's so obscure. Yeah. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Chris, if 
they're they have found a new species or subspecies. That's yeah, that's a hot topic. We got to cover that for sure. So speaking of bigger can sometimes be better. <laughs> yes. For all my bird nerd fans, including myself, I'm more of a wannabe. I'm not that cool yet, but I'm working on it. We really did cover some awesome bird species this uh, this past year or the past 100 episodes. But one one of the ones that sticks out to me is the albatross. And the albatross is the largest of flying birds uh, with the great albatross having the longest wingspan of any animal alive. So that wingspan, Chris, is it going to be 10 feet, 12 feet, 14 feet, or 20 feet? Uh, okay, okay, not twenty feet. There's no way. That's a ter- <laughs> That's a pterodactyl. Like I'm looking in my room right now. Ten feet. Oh, 14 feet is pretty. I'll go twelve, uh, just because. Uh, you, ten or 12? twelve. Okay, uh, ten is the correct answer. Okay, uh, okay. But it, it that's the average. Uh, it can be. Maybe nine and a half to eleven. That's still um, a huge wingspan. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. And just to give everybody a little visual on that, uh, the ostrich, which we covered, another fascinating episode. And that's mm-hmm. obviously the largest land bird, I guess, right? That doesn't fly. Yeah, they yeah. are huge, and their wingspan is six to seven feet. Wow. Okay. So okay. an albatross okay. has got it going on, and and they need their wings though, because for instance, the wandering albatross. Mm-hmm. will spend most of their life in flight. They usually only land to breed and feed for the good stuff. Uh, and one bird was recorded traveling over 600 kilometers in just 12 days. That's crazy. So those wings, we covered, which we covered in the podcast, was mm-hmm. uh, they're all about the different soaring techniques that they do mm-hmm. to ride the currents of the oceans. And just it's just incredible, their, their adaptations to be able to spend a lot of their life out at sea. And only come to land for uh, breeding and uh, feeding. So, very, very cool. No, and oh, and then yeah, amazing species. We did that one for Jesse Golden, and it's you know they're they're in big trouble. Just you know, really quickly, because with the albatross of the twenty two recognized species, three are critically endangered, five endangered, seven near threatened, seven vulnerable. So pretty much all of them are heading towards extinction. With the oceans, the garbage, climate change. Uh, it's just, yeah, the albatross is, is an amazing bird that you, you want to learn about and know more about now. So I want to just throw this fact out there and I, you, you might, you, you'll remember it, but let's see if our audience remembers it because you actually sent me an amazing video of this and it is a bird species. Again, every bird we do just blows us away i mean it blows us away i tell you that's why i'm a wannabe bird nerd oh, it's just incredible no. what they do they're just so amazing their behaviors are courtship rituals <laughs> there you go ding 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 oh yeah 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 okay who of the following birds okay. have a love dance and I, i'm sure i know the videos in our show notes but i'll give a list for our listeners so you have the robin the bald eagle, you have the turkey, or the albatross. A love dance. Yes. Classified as a love dance. Well, I know the eagle 
just blew me out of the water with, I don't know if it's a dance, but it does a love dive, like a crazy spiraling cartwheel where their talons are together and they're flipping and tumbling and it's just incredible. Uh, but I don't know if that's considered a dance because the diving part, I mean, they, they, they plummet to the ground. Okay. Okay, it's dance midair dance. Like I was uh, thinking, you okay. know, I, because if I would have thrown ostrich in there, you would have thought that because they do that little. The, the oh, males do right, that fancy, yes. yeah, yeah, they, they, they take that the, little tail feather. The love dance midair mating ritual. It's definitely on our show. The notes. most death-defying love ritual for birds is got to be the eagles. Oh, it's incredible! It's incredible! It's incredible! So that is just one fact that stood out. And then I watched the video and I was like, are you kidding me? These birds do this? Yeah. They're so amazing. I, it, They're so and amazing. And as much as I know eagles and love eagles and even see eagles in the wild all the time because they nest out where I ride horses and Florida, I did not know that they had this ritual. And so it would be amazing to actually see that. Uh, it'd probably be a little, uh, a little nerve wracking. <laughs> But, yes, 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 yes. And it makes me a little happy that our love rituals as humans usually aren't so death defying. At least John no. and I were, John's <laughs> like, here's your roses. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go skydiving and twirl all about. I don't know, maybe for our 10th anniversary, but I, no, I, I no, like, no, honey, no, no. if you're listening, please stick to just like some roses and maybe, maybe a pony or a puppy, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Chris, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is, I have, I have yeah. a fun courtship one coming up here in a moment, but before that, you're you're always the nutrition guy, uh, mm-hmm. and so do you remember which species is considered nature's pest control, and they consume around five thousand ticks a year, and potentially even lower the chance of Lyme disease in your neighborhood? Is and that I? Yes, okay, and I actually have contributed to controlling tick populations by hand raising some of these cute little babies. They are an amazing, amazing creature, marsupial, the only marsupial to North America, and that is our opossum. Very good. Yes. Yeah, yeah that was a fun love episode. Them, love them, love them. Yes. Uh, a lot of my friends pass around fun opossum uh, facts because they are yeah. often seen as – not as important or forgotten yeah. about here in North America. And I think that episode on opossums hopefully blew those myths out of the water that they're really awesome creatures and they're really important to our ecosystem. Now, there's a species in North America that really surprised me. Uh, one of the great conservation success stories, and let's see if you remember it, almost pushed to extinction. But again, America came back and said, and then Canada, I believe, and also North, you know, North America, the United States came and said, no, we're not going to let this creature go extinct. So they came back. I, I will say the bald eagle is a great one. Like that's mm-hmm. one that's there. I'll just put that out of the way. There's one mm-hmm. that really surprised me, surprised you that they just, they were on the brink and they've been brought back. So I'll give you a little bit of a list. Okay. So let's look at, we've got the star-nosed mole. The moose, the beaver, or the turkey. Good list. Uh, I yeah. I feel like it's between beaver and turkey, and mm-hmm. 
The Starno Moles, we need to talk about that. I don't know if we'll get to it during this podcast or the one yes. uh, the quiz show for Patreon, but I have yeah, some, yeah. some some fun on that guy. That guy's amazing. Um yeah. but I think my final answer, I will go with turkey. Yeah. It was the turkey. I mean, I know beaver pelts and beavers were like populations were decimated, uh, but it wasn't like the turkey was almost extinct. Like almost extinct because they were easy to hunt and they, you know, it's, it's a staple in diet in, in America, North America, you know, Canada and the U S uh, probably Mexico too. And so I was so surprised about that conservation success story. Late 1800s, like the bison yes. and they brought them back and they and, brought them back. And that's why I love doing this podcast because things we just take for granted because I have been blessed to see wild turkeys in my home state of Michigan and my adopted state of Florida. I see them all the time. And to think that, that almost wasn't the case is just really crazy, but it also goes to show that when the right policies and the right um, conservation is put into place for species, like Chris mentioned, the bald eagle, the bison, the American alligator, there's just these amazing success stories. And I I was really pleasantly surprised when we we learned that about Turkey a few months ago during that podcast. So if you haven't checked, if you haven't listened to that one, couple, 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 check that out. Uh, John does the the most amazing uh, Turkey impression, but anyways. (laughs) You got to get him. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Well, this one I thought you would like, and I might be able to Mm -hmm. stump you on this one. Uh, It's about hunting behavior. Okay. So which species, and I'll give you, I'll give you a list. So which species, and I'll, I'll be able to give you a list, will sometimes follow dolphins and exploit their hunting efforts? Ooh. Is it an albatross, a sea lion, a beluga, or a bowhead whale? All right. I'll, I'll, I'll say, not say, not bowhead, no, no, because they are a, a filter feeder. Beluga is probably too far north in the Arctic. So I'll knock them out. So then my choices are sea lions and albatross. Albatross. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sea lions could keep up with dolphins. I mean, I know they could swim pretty fast. So I, I would say albatross just because they could see it. They could see the pod and yeah, process of elimination. So, Rongo yeah. bongo. Yes. <laughs> no, it was wrong. I thought you said you give me the, the like the high five, like ah, oh wait, hold on, got me. Did you say sea lion or albatross? Which one did you say? Albatross. No, albatross. you're wrong. Wrong. No, it's sea lion. Uh, yeah. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, oh. California, your home state. Sea lions. They yes. can sometimes eat alone. They can sometimes forage in large groups, and we know that they love like clams and fish and squid mm-hmm. and anything seafood. Uh, but they'll sometimes cooperate with other predators, such as dolphins, porpoises, and seabird. Uh, seabirds when hunting in large schools of fish and therefore they may snack and thus they may snatch a couple meals from the dolphins when they are working together with them all right all right all right all right well um it's okay chris it's good to be wrong it's good (laughs) show the listeners that even someone brilliant like yourself that's an animal expert uh can make mistakes on the animal um in their home state of california but speaking of california sea lions i did love that episode i learned a lot Uh, Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about the difference between sea lions and seals so that's always a fun a fun quiz that maybe we'll cover in the patreon uh, podcast quiz show and so the 
California sea lion, for me, I voted one of the cutest faces as far as they have like a puppy dog face, which I just love. Mm -hmm. They're just amazing. Mm -hmm. And their populations are doing really well. They're least concerned by the IUCN. And they're just a favorite of anybody that has seen them either in an aquarium because they're so intelligent or, of course, in the wild along the coast of California when they'll haul up either on Pier 39 in San Francisco or further south in Chris's uh, old stomping grounds. But we also covered in the past 100 episodes the Hawaiian monk seal. So not a sea lion, but a seal. And those guys are critically endangered with only about 600 more or less uh, mature individuals. And they are also a darling, darling seal. And Mm -hmm. Hawaii has just made a heroic effort uh, to try to conserve them. And their populations have been somewhat slowly increasing um, before they were almost wiped out back in 1952 uh, during like with ceiling and stuff like that. So they are hopefully uh, going to bounce back, but uh, it's still with, with such a small population, you worry about disease and the bottleneck effect mm, and things like mm, that. So mm, the Hawaiian monk seal, that, that's a great episode to check out as is the uh, California sea lion. So yeah, those yeah, are some no, no, fun no. ones. Good. That was very good. It was very good. Very fun. I just love all these animals we cover. Okay, Angie, we could do this all day. We could. Oh, we, we're we, going we to. Are... We're going to stay after show. <laughs> My friend, yeah, I still have good. like 30 slides. Like I said, this is the most fun preparing this episode. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll save some of the, uh, the PG 13 for the Patreon. I have plenty of those. Yes. That's <laughs> more appropriate. There for- are some well indulged. <laughs> there's definitely one well endowed creature that we covered that comes to mind. Yes. There's some, there's some facts in there that, you know, for adult ears only, but I have a final question for you. And I, and, and I wonder if if our expert dinosaur expert there in, in your home would know. Uh oh. But what came first, dinosaurs or reptiles? Wow, Chris, I'm so glad you <laughs> asked me this question. <laughs> Let me guess, you were talking about this morning. Uh well, we got a book for the boys called Dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and it's from the Smithsonian Institute, and it's like mm-hmm. an encyclopedia. It's really mm-hmm. big. And they love reading it. And that's literally since they got it for Christmas, that's the only book that they've read. But what we noticed as we started reading it, as Xander points out, because he likes mm-hmm. to be very accurate about things, the book should right. not be called Dinosaurs. It should be called Prehistoric Creatures because there's only actually one large chapter on dinosaurs. It actually covers ancient reptiles, okay. ancient organisms, okay. and then Um, ancient mammals. So it it moves around, basically moves up that evolutionary tree. So Mm -hmm. it's actually reptiles. Yes. Yes. And I learned that like three (laughs) nights ago, which is amazing because, you know, sometimes I'm reading and I'm like, ah, you know, what am I reading? Like, because it's late at night and I'm reading and I'm half asleep and it's just like pronouncing all these hard names for dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. the prehistoric creatures. But I didn't know that until I read the book about it. So thank yeah, okay, you. Okay. Thank you, Christmas book that keeps giving. Okay. It goes way back to Komodo Dragon episode, mm-hmm. but we do talk about it. And yeah, dinosaurs, because of taxonomy back in the day, were classified as reptilia, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're, they're pretty much evidence, scientific evidence is showing that they're actually, dinosaurs were warm blooded, had feathers. So they're more related to birds or avian. 
and not reptiles, even though that's how they've been depicted or that's how we see them. Okay. So reptiles have been around much, much longer. And that's what all of us go back to or reptiles and then even earlier. So, so there you go. I couldn't stump you at the end, but uh, good show. Good show. What do you got for me? Well, Chris, uh, throughout the years doing this podcast with you, and of course, um, our friendship has grown, and uh, we talk a lot a lot about animals, mostly about animals, but mm-hmm. I also have witnessed you just be like the most amazing father and Thank an you. awesome, awesome parent and a great dad. And you and I, of course, have an inside joke on the podcast about sometimes there's often deadbeat dads in the yes. animal kingdoms. <laughs> yes, and by okay. sometimes, I mean most times. <laughs> So, <laughs> that's true. No. That's, so when we do when we do true. find a great dad, it just okay. always like reminds me of you and how you yeah. interact with your boys. And I just I just love how much yeah. you love them. So yeah. I don't know if you love them this much, but we will find out. So there is an amazing epic dad in the animal kingdom that we covered in the past 100 episodes. Okay. This dad builds his nest from saliva and then he provides all the parental care. So your choices are sea snake, electric eel, king cobra, or albatross. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. The only thing I don't, it's, I don't, not albatross, not saliva. Um, Oh, it could be. It's a snake. It's the only thing I remember about sea snakes is you're like, they were such great dads, but they eat an egg or two or three while they're sitting on the nest. So the dads, I'm like, I don't know. Eat my kids? No, you would need your kids. No. Okay. Sea snake is the one that just sticks out, but I don't know. It's actually, do you want to take a second guess? Is it, is it the King Cobra? Well, that's not the one I'm going no. for. King Cobra okay. is a great dad, and I'll, we'll talk about yeah, him. Okay. He was runner-up. Okay. But no, nope, okay. this species that builds a nest from saliva is the electric eel. No way. Yes. Okay. okay. So, yeah, so sea snake, he's not so great because he eats babies. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's so good. <laughs> that's, that's uh, but basically, yeah, during the dry season, the male electric eel uh, oh, okay. will make his nest from saliva, which the female will lay her eggs um, up to like uh, 300,000. But then she scoots away and he'll be there to usually defend the nest. That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't remember that. I just remember being blown away about how they generate that electricity yeah well I, you know, ele- electricity you. And, and obligate air breathing as a fish that yes. was just yes. wacky uh but it is important i think too to talk to the king cobra um is basically what will happen is that the king cobra is the only species of land snakes that will actually build the nest and care for the young and then when the young mm-hmm. and when the young are born which reminds me of you they yes, will guard yes. them ferociously. No, you're not. You're like yes. a big stuffy teddy bear. But but that they am, but they I but am. they provide parental care and they they keep them you know happy and healthy and alive and yeah. and that's that's really rare for snakes, uh, land snakes. So uh, yes, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd always think the mom would would be the. But the I mean, honestly, yeah. though, those were like number two and number three. I mean, you and John mm-hmm. are tied for number one for yeah. the uh, the yeah. great dad parents. Um, but cassowary. I'm sorry. Sorry, cassowaria will always be number one dad in the world when the yeah. mom lays the egg and takes off and dad's like what 
So not only does he have to carry the, the pregnancy, the, the egg, then he has to raise everything. And mom's like, whatever, I'm out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Still the best ever. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of fun. There's definitely, it's always, yeah. it's always interesting. These animals are teaching us things about themselves and then we learn things about ourselves. And so mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. uh, it was just so great reflecting on the past 100 episodes and uh, just just reliving a lot of these amazing adaptations and physiological facts and of course behaviors. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and had fun playing along with us. And if you do want to continue the quiz show from the last 100 episodes, Chris and I are going to do an after show and we'll have it available on our Patreon for our subscribers. Uh, and hopefully we'll be more active on that this year. That's also one of our goals. Keep giving them extra content because for a dollar yeah, a day, yeah. as Chris always says, you can help support doll- us. Uh, dollar a day would be nice. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, what, what cup of coffee a month? Oh. <laughs> I got a little yeah. greedy there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a dollar a day. Clear- yeah, we'd love you. Clearly you normally do that pitch. So I'm, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just along for the ride, but uh, you get what we're saying. And of course, yeah, yeah. and you know, And of course, as always, Chris and I, our mission is to keep continuing to uh, donate 25% of any money we ever make to animal conservation charities and organizations, nonprofits of your choice, the listeners. And we will most certainly keep up with that um, in the next 100 episodes to come. And please give us your feedback. We love those emails that keep us going and they, and we've had some great recommendations lately about species. I mentioned the pronghorn antelope, uh, but several others and those emails or Facebook messages really keep us going. And if you do like to dork out about dinosaurs and uh, conservation facts and animal physiology facts, new species that are found, Please also join us on our Facebook All Creatures group. Uh, We have got several hundred people interacting on that platform where we can get in a little bit more intimate discussions about different articles that we find. And it's just a fun interactive to see what all the listeners are reading and learning about. So join us on that. And and lastly, my only ask is that you will uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Um, With the holiday seasons, we haven't had many reviews which I totally get because people are doing yeah, more yeah, fun yeah. things. But know, uh, hopefully, hopefully in the next months to come, you can just drop us a quick five-star review on iTunes and tell everybody how awesome we are because that helps us with getting our podcast out and more circulated. Yeah. No, thank you so much. I mean, it's just been an amazing journey. Thank you for listening to the recap show. Hopefully you had some fun and, and learned some new facts that you didn't pick up or there's some episodes you want to go download and listen to. But we, we, we appreciate you so much sharing this information. We're changing the world together. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. 